This is your Times Daily World Briefing for Sunday the 20th of March. I'm Emily Ferrier. And I'm Laura Cook. Intense fighting in Mariupol has blocked a major rescue mission. Smashing cities, uh, murdering uh, innocent people is kind of part and parcel of how they've operated for centuries. And Zelensky says it's time to talk. This is a deliberate tactic uh, underdone by Russia to force panic. Times of London Daily World Briefing. We start in Mariupol, where intense fighting hinders rescue attempts to free over 1,000 survivors still believed to be trapped inside a bombed theater. The theater, which was doubling as a shelter for women and children, was hit earlier in the week. Sergi, the head of a housing community in Mariupol, recounts the brutal attack. On the 12th, 13th and 14th there were constant airstrikes. We were all sitting in the cellar. From explosions in houses nearby, the windows were shattered. The residents went to their cellars. Those who could do so left the city. But a lot of cars were bombed and they burned down, so those people couldn't leave. There were lots of people dying on the streets. Dead bodies were lying in the streets. Ukrainian forces held out against Russian attacks on Saturday inside the strategically significant southern port city. Amid a day of scant battlefield gains for Putin, Ukrainian forces lost access to the Sea of Azov for the first time, which may be a significant prize for Russia. The UN's World Food Programme is the latest humanitarian agency that was prevented from reaching the besieged city, which is now completely encircled by Russian forces. An English teacher from Mariupol, Lyadmila, is now in Zaporizhia and says her home is gone. There is no Mariupol. We sat in the cellar for 10 days and did not leave once. We neither had water nor electricity. It was good that in the neighbor's yard we had access to a bomb shelter. Well, cellar. I wouldn't really call it a bomb shelter. Western analysts believe that Russian forces have already suffered significant losses, with logistical issues and dwindling morale plaguing Russian fighters. Ben Hodges, former commanding general of U.S. Army Europe, told Times Radio that the current Russian military strategy was nothing new. The Russian way of war is medieval. I mean, they may have hypersonic systems and uh, long-range rocket launchers and and all of that, but still it's a medieval mindset. So smashing cities, uh, murdering uh, innocent people is is, uh, kind of part and parcel of how they've operated for centuries. So uh, this should not be a terrible surprise to us, but we, we do have to figure out a way to, to stop it. And in Mikolaev, bodies are still being pulled from the rubble after a missile strike in the Ukrainian barracks. While around 200 Ukrainian soldiers slept in the barracks on Friday, three Russian missiles struck. Fears rumble through Ukraine that scores of soldiers may have been killed in the attack. Witnesses say some 57 injured people were being treated at hospitals, but there are no official casualty figures. One survivor was rescued from the rubble after 30 hours of being trapped on Saturday, but with temperatures of minus 6 degrees Celsius, it's feared there won't be many more. Forces in Mikolaev have been blocking the advance west across the Black Sea for weeks now, But overnight, it seems even more heavy shelling was felt in the southern part of the city. Russia has claimed the first use of a hypersonic Kinzhal missile in Ukraine. Oleksiy Sorokin, the political editor and CEO of the Kyiv Independent, 
told Times Radio that after the use of the hypersonic missile, the general assumption is that nowhere within the nation is safe. We know that over the past week, Russia committed airstrikes on targets in Lviv and around the city. Uh, so a lot of people now think that this is a deliberate tactic uh, underdone by Russia to force panic and to force Ukrainian leadership into concede and agree to Russian terms at the negotiations table. The Russian Defence Ministry in Moscow said the missile destroyed a big underground arms depot in western Ukraine and, if confirmed, would be the first of its type used in this war. Russia posted a video of the alleged missile strike on the arms depot in Delayatin, a village over 60 miles, 100 kilometres, from the Romanian border. President Putin has repeatedly boasted of Russia's investment in hypersonic missiles, which have the ability to travel more than five times the speed of sound and can change direction mid-flight. John Bolton is a former national security adviser to Donald Trump. He told Times Radio it's not surprising the Russians used this weapon. The only surprising thing is why they didn't start with it three weeks ago. And I think uh, by the statements of Ukraine's own military, uh, it apparently effectively destroyed an underground ammunition and weapons uh, storage facility. So it showed that it can hit the target, can hit and destroy an underground target. Uh, and I, I, I have no doubt more of this is coming. On Friday, a U.S. defense official said that over 1,080 missiles had been fired by Russia since the initial invasion on February the 24th. Meanwhile, in Europe, Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki of Poland called upon EU countries to impose a total ban on trade with Russia, saying this would force Russia to consider ending the war. The war is becoming more and more cruel, and that's why I'm hoping there will be another sobering up of European leaders, who will meet in a moment in the form of a European Council, and we can adopt another package of sanctions. Earlier in the week, a fourth package of sanctions was agreed upon by EU member states, though details were not disclosed. This comes as more and more international companies have suspended trading in Russia, including McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Visa and Mastercard. On the way, China sees its first COVID deaths in over a year, and a security officer in Wisconsin kneels on a child's neck. Times of London Daily World Briefing Warning that Russia will suffer losses that will take several generations to recover, President Zelensky calls for peace talks to resume between the two nations. But Putin told German Chancellor Olaf Scholz that Ukraine is stalling peace talks with unrealistic proposals. Reiterating Putin, here's Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Ukraine, Lavrov says he hopes what he calls the operation in Ukraine ends in an agreement and a guarantee of Ukraine's neutrality and Russian security. He went on to call for an adjustment of laws in Ukraine to a civilized level with regards to Russian language, education and media. Peace talks in the past, however, have broken down. Russia is also facing severe economic sanctions which will bite harder the longer the country fights. For Ukraine, peace talks will mean an end to the devastation of an invasion that has already torn the country apart.
Kira Rudik is a Ukrainian politician, and she told Times Radio that she's skeptical Russia will follow through after peace talks. Putin is not a guarantee himself, and I don't see right now uh, the, the unity of uh, NATO countries and other countries who would be saying, yeah, we can step up and guarantee that. So I do not believe that the peace talks or conclusion of them is uh, somewhere in the nearest future. However, what I do believe in is uh, that the internal situation in Russia will, uh, will destabilize soon and uh, they will default and there will be a possibility for that uh, to uh, stop the war. Many in and outside of Ukraine echo Rudik after humanitarian corridors, particularly in Mariupol, were not observed. It's actions like this that have led former and current global world leaders to call for Putin to face Nuremberg-style trials. Felipe Sanz is a lawyer at Matrix Chambers and a professor of laws and director of the Center of International Courts and Tribunals at University College London. He says the trials are needed so that Putin and his allies can be prosecuted for the crime of aggression. The International Criminal Court can investigate and prosecute three international crimes, crimes against humanity, war crimes, which seem to be happening on a, on a horrendous scale, and also, if it's happening, genocide. But there's a gap. The International Criminal Court can't investigate and prosecute what the Nuremberg Tribunal called the supreme crime, crime of aggression, waging a manifestly illegal war, which, of course, is the catalyst for everything. Mm. And I, I thought what needs to happen is you've got to plug that gap, and the only way to do it is to create a new tribunal. We move away from Europe now to China, where they've seen their first COVID deaths for more than a year. This is according to the country's National Health Commission, which reported the death of two people in the northern province of Jilin. Though the number is low by international standards, it's the country's worst outbreak since the virus first emerged in Wuhan in 2019. In recent weeks, the island of Hong Kong has seen hundreds of deaths, mainly among the elderly. This has led to the deputy director of China's National Health Commission urging the elder population of the mainland to get vaccinated. While the elderly in Hong Kong are rushing to get vaccinated, he says we must not regret it when it's too late. According to country officials, only around half of those over 80 have completed their primary vaccinations. Unlike many other countries, China has adopted a zero-tolerance approach to the virus, which involves short and targeted shutdowns. To Wisconsin now, where footage of an off-duty police officer kneeling on the neck of a 12-year-old girl has been released. The footage shows Officer Sean Gucho intervening on a fight and then scuffling with a girl at a school in Kenosha, Wisconsin. After falling, Gucho, a former security guard at the school, then pushes the girl's head to the ground, kneeling on her neck for a near 30 seconds before handcuffing her and walking out. The girl's father, Jarrell Perez, is calling for criminal charges against the officer, as this type of restraint is now banned in Wisconsin following the death of George Floyd. Perez says his daughter is now in therapy and seeing a neurologist for her injuries. Gucho was initially placed on paid leave by the school district, but has now resigned from his part-time security job, saying that the incident has placed a heavy burden on his family. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. And finally, with news on a big win for the Six Nations tournament, here's John Jackson. 
Windless runs in sports can often stretch into months, but one of the longest fruitless runs in rugby union history has just come to an end. Until Saturday, Italy had not been victorious in a Six Nations tournament match since they beat Scotland in 2015. However, thanks to a last-gasp try from Eduardo Padovani in the final game of the 2022 tournament, that run is now over with the Italians celebrating a famous 22-21 win over Wales in Cardiff. Unsurprisingly, the Italians did come last again as the French won their first Grand Slam for 12 years. They beat England 25-13 in Paris. The Six Nations takes place every year with Ireland, the final team that competes for the trophy. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Sunday the 20th of March. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.